0: All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Sure is good to be saved, isn't it? Some of the prayer burdens last night and uh, some of the people brought up for prayer and situations and uh, sometimes lost people just going through things that are just unimaginable and traumatizing. I said to the fellows last night, it's just just being saved, having the Lord through the rest of this life to go with you, to be your guide, to be your help, to be with you. And then in the end, it ends up in heaven. Folks, we got it made. We got it made. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. I'm just going to read you something here that that I wrote some time ago when we went through the book of Ecclesiastes. By the way, uh, just a wonderful book from the standpoint of the man under the sun. You need to understand it in that context or you won't get what's going on. And he comes to conclusions, for the most part in this book, that the natural man would come to. And there's a lot of reality and a lot of truth there. A lot of it is stark and a lot of it is harsh. But then in the end, uh, he brings God into the equation. Of course, uh, that's where we get our hope. But uh, this verse here tells us that man tends to glamorize or color the past with hues that are much rosier than the original painting. The appeal of nostalgia or the good old days. If at a distance the past starts to look better than the present, the problem is we may fail to thank God for our present blessings. Your present may not look that way if judged by a nostalgic outlook. We are to ask for the old paths according to Jeremiah 6, verse 16. The old paths involve principles. Principles morals, character, ethics, and spiritual values, along with the lessons of history. And we'll talk more about that. But the warning in this verse is only a rationalistic warning saying that it is not good to live in the past while complaining about the present. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you guide us and instruct us, Lord, there's so much wisdom in your word and and father there's more here than than we have time to even contemplate so god i i ask that you'd help me to say those things that are necessary those things that you want said and father open every heart to you especially those without christ Uh, father while this is not a salvation message may the lost see the wisdom in your word and father keep me from getting in the way Help me only to be a conduit to facilitate your truth, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Someone once said, things ain't what they used to be. And we often talk about the good old days. Nostalgia. Uh, We used to go to car shows where they would have the antiques and the muscle cars and stuff. And I saw a sign one time that said, we don't live in the 50s, we just play there. Going to antique stores if you got a few years on you, that nostalgia can be a a bittersweet thing. You start looking at things that will put a smile on your face, and then you start to yearn. And it's true that when we look back, the troubles of the past seem to dissipate, and we just see the good old days. Now, there's nothing wrong with seeing that and seeing it for what it is. But what we're told here in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10 Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you feel like your life isn't as good as it used to be? How's the context of that? By what standard are you judging that? And is that a biblical thought? And what does that do for us, pro or con? We'll take a look. And make sure we base all of this on the Word of God. Let's let's look at some observations concerning this business of the old days, the current situation, and how we look at it. Number one, nothing does stay the same. Everything changes. Everything changes. Now, uh, the Bible says, meddle not with them that are given to change. And this, this sort of woke liberalism, as they like to call it, a lot of it is change for change's sake. You know, if it's there, let's keep changing it. And we'll keep changing it until we completely wreck it. And uh, the Bible is clear, we don't need to be doing that. But by way of observation, things do change. People change, people change. By the way, those of you that are younger, if you live so long, you will get older. <laughs> you will get older. Uh, when my kids were teens and started making fun of me about getting older, I would say, you should live so long. <laughs> you should live so long. Even as a kid, even as a kid, I, I don't know, I, I was never asked the question, but I think if you would asked me, I would have thought there were older people and younger people, and that's just the way it was. I, I don't think it was real to me that I was going to age. In fact, older people, I thought, always were older, because when I'd see pictures of them when they were younger, they still looked older to me, (laughs) because of the old-fashioned nature of the picture. Families, families change. They grow up. Kids get married. They move on. Our kids did the same. We had all of them here at one time. Two of them moved away, one to the West Coast, one to the East Coast. Things change. Things change. Believers. Believers. As believers, we look forward to heaven. But you know what? I got a lot of friends up there now. I got a lot of friends up there. I remember when uh, Dr. Thanatos walked into my room back when I was uh, on the fifth floor uh, Central Tower at St. Al's with COVID for 15 days. And on day eight, he came in, and uh, he started intimating some pretty serious things with me. And I don't know. I don't really think in my heart of hearts I was going anywhere, but I thought, well, all right. And I spent the night thinking a lot and uh, settling things with the Lord. And, and I began to think of those that I've done uh, the funerals for, the, the, the services, the memorial services for. And there was almost a hundred of them. There was almost a hundred of them. You know what? If you've been saved any length of time, you've got a lot of friends up in heaven. You've got a lot of friends up in heaven, and one of these days you're going to join them. You know Why? Because things do change, things do change. Uh, business, in business, it seems that the only constant is change. They say competition is good for the customer. Our country, our country has changed, and I think a lot of ways not for the better. I think we're a house divided. Take your Bibles and turn to First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, and I want to get back to this theme of prayer and nothing and no one being out of the reach of prayer. 1 Timothy, and 1 Timothy chapter 2. By the way, when we get saved, we change. Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's certainly a change for the better. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 1, I exhort, therefore... That first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know what God tells us to do? He tells us to pray. He tells us to pray. You say, well, I don't like the direction our country's going. I'm with you there. I don't. I don't. In so many ways, I don't. But I'm telling you something right now, I can do something about it. I can pray. I'm not giving up. I'm not digging a ditch. I'm not crawling in a hole. I'm not going to crawl into a cave. I can pray. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, verse 3, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You know what? we still got a mission field we still got a mission field. And God is still in the soul-saving business. You say, what does America need more than anything else? Is it a new president? Is it a different party in control of the Senate or whatever? No, you know what we need more than anything else? We need revival. We need revival. And as I alluded to already, I appreciate what Brother Harding brought when he was here. He brought that emphasis on prayer. He brought that emphasis on prayer, folks. And nothing and nobody is out of the reach of prayer. I think of our our national sins. Folks, I'm not for those things we're doing. I'm not for our country being an exporter of perversion. I'm not for our country killing innocent babies. I'm not wearing that guilt today. I refuse. I refuse to wear the false guilt of, you know, uh, giving Earth the fever because I drive a car. Do you ever notice how many of those people like Al Gore have private jets? If they were really uh, worried about their uh, imagined carbon footprint, uh, they would crawl into the cattle car with the rest of us. Junk science. I'm not wearing their false guilt. I'm not wearing it today. But I am gonna pray for my country I am going to pray for my country, and I'll tell you a couple of things that give me hope. There are some examples in the Word of God that give me some hope. Number one, Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus is going to sort out the sheep from the goat. He's going to sort out the nations at the end of the tribulation, and there's going to be some sheep. Maybe our country will get back on track and support the apple of the Father's eye. Here's another one. Abraham whittled God down to ten righteous he would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah. He whittled them down to ten. I wondered why he didn't go to five. But he whittled them down to ten. I wonder what what God's looking for in our country if he found enough remnant, enough salt, enough righteous. (coughs) You say, preacher, what's the greatest thing I can do to help save America? Live for Jesus Christ. Live for Jesus Christ. Things change. Things change. Churches change. I'm telling tell you something right now. They shouldn't change their book. We shouldn't change the irreducible minimums of the Word of God. I had a guy say to me one time, he goes, your preaching has changed. Well, I hope in 40-something years it has. <laughs> I, I hope it's gotten better. Uh, I hope I've grown. I, I hope I've matured. I don't think I'm as rough as I used to be. Sometimes we'll put some of our, my old preaching on the radio, and I'll hit it on the radio down. Ooh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> some of you remember old Doc Noe. He, he said when I was a young preacher, he, looked, he said, I looked out at my congregation one day, and he said, I realized something. He said everybody was wearing a helmet, and they all had black eyes and bloody noses. <laughs> he, said, he said, I realized I needed to mellow out a little bit. Then you get into the small and large church syndromes. You know, the small church is so quaint and warm, but we sure want to grow. <laughs> yeah? And not be quaint and warm anymore, huh? Okay. And, you know, there's pros and cons of both, folks. I don't put a premium On either one. There's pros and cons of both. I mean, if a church is small because that's the area they're in, great. If a church is small because they're incompetent, oops. (laughs) If a church is large because God grew it and the food is there and God is blessing, wonderful. But if a church is large because they're compromising the truth of the Word of God, uh (laughs) uh-oh. But things change. People change. Life, life changes. And goes on stuff changes stuff changes gadgets things innovations and boy they are a mixed bag aren't they vehicles I'll tell you what vehicles now more creature comforts I got that 18 Buick GS and uh, it's got a, a, a heat seater my wife and I call it the bun warmers <laughs> and I, I always thought you'd have to be a complete wimp to have a heated steering wheel I got one, <laughs> and during the, during the winter, it's made a complete wimp out of me, <laughs> but I don't just have he, heat, heated seats. We got cooled seats, <laughs> fans blowing through there. I mean, it's just unbelievable the way they ride and all that other stuff, but uh, <laughs> they sure do cost, don't they? Smartphones have given us all kinds of access to information and also a lot of addictions. <laughs> I was reading an article the other day. The psychiatrists and psychologists can't keep up with all the new uh, syndromes and uh, things that especially the young ladies are getting into with these phones and just literally addicted to these things. Literally addicted to these things and creating all kinds of uh, uh, mental issues. It's it's crazy. Things change. Things change. Seems like that phone of yours is going to get... Uh, antiquated every three years. That's planned obsolescence. That's planned obsolescence. But in a world where the only constant is changed, there is someone that stays the same. Let's take our Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And Hebrews chapter 13 and and, and verse 8. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and what? Forever. Forever. He's the same. He is immutable. Flip back to chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6. That means he not only doesn't change, he not only won't change, he can't change. He's the rock upon which our lives should be built. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16. The Bible says, For men uh, verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show the, unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Folks, his word does not change. He does not change in a world where it seems that the only constant is change so the complaint that things are not the way they used to be well it's true but god's word has not changed you can't bring back the past things change things change you can't bring back the past um it's funny And by the way, there's a tendency for old people when it comes to this to look too much into the past and miss the present. There's a tendency for the younger generation to ignore the lessons of the past and become condemned to repeat them. And become condemned to repeat them. Kids wearing bell bottoms again. Ripped pants, that's nothing new. Thick plastic-rimmed glasses. Can you say the 50s? And I'm going to make a prediction. And and it's a terrible one. I believe leisure suits are coming back. (laughs) I had one that my wife and I wish I would have kept. Just for the comic value of it. It was, uh, it had a silk Noah's Ark shirt that was the most colorful thing you've ever seen. In fact, to look at it, you needed sunglasses. The big, wide collar that went with that. The suit was brown and white. The, the uh, suit coat was reversible. You could turn it inside out and make it a different coat. And on the outside, it was dark brown with the white stripes, and you could see them on the collar. And it had snap buttons, and you could flip it inside out, and it was striped white and brown with a dark brown collar, depending on what you want to do, and then it had either pair of pants, the dark brown or the wild striped ones. And I, 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 we used to preach in the prisons down there in Florida, and I'd bring it i uh, I wear that thing. And i tell you, some of the brothers thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> one, one yelled out from the back one time when I was preaching, Hey, preacher's a pimp! <laughs> That's when I knew I needed to quit wearing it there. <laughs> you say, there's no way that would come back. Everything else has. Everything else has. It seems sometimes that the only constant is change. Uh, you know what? Uh, I grieve for my country. I, I, I grieve for my children and grandchildren uh, coming into the mess that this country's becoming. But you wanna know something? I, I don't think we can get bogged down in it. We have, we have bigger fish to fry, folks. We, 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 our marching orders are still to to tell others about Jesus Christ. I was talking to men last night and, uh, you know, you can get, you you can get high centered spinning your wheels going nowhere if you get stuck on all this conspiracy stuff. And by the way, you can you can fall off the edge on the left and you can fall off the edge on the right. And, and in the end, folks, here's what Hebrews tells us. Go to chapter chapter 12. We're spending a little time here in Hebrews, but uh, these are the marching orders, folks. And uh, I really appreciate a testimony Brother uh, Gip gave last night about somebody he led to Christ. And uh, he was talking to this man, and the man, you know, he just said, what's going, like referencing our country in this world, what's going on? You know what? I I told the guys last night, he could have talked about wokeism. He could have talked about the Democrat Party. He could have complained about the president. He could have talked about those things, or he could have done what he did. Tell him about Jesus Christ, and he got saved. Uh, By the way, (laughs) you want people to check all the right boxes when it calls Uh, when it comes to all the uh, uh, social issues and political issues and everything else, there's no better way to do it than to get them saved and in the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, hey, uh, those people in Hebrews 11, uh, did some of them live in hard times? Did some of them face uh, very difficult tests of their faith? Absolutely. And we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, folks. We're surrounded by them. And he says, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Look, I'm not preaching to the woke crowd this morning here. I know you. So here's what I'm going to say. Don't get hung up on all the right-wing conspiracies. Because it isn't going to get you anywhere spiritually. And by the way, it's like I said to the guys last night. So, so what if you did find out that there are, there are 13 evil men wearing hoodies that meet on every Friday the 13th? and and they have a boiling pot, and they stir it, and they run the world. What are you going to do about it? Huh? Where's it got you, some of you? Besides discouraged. Some of you aren't here this morning. You say, why are you preaching like that, preacher? I know who I'm talking to. Some of you aren't here this morning because of that stuff. You've dug a rabbit hole in it and crawled in it. Get your head out of that stuff. Get your head back in the Word of God. There is hope. There is hope. You say, things have changed. Of course they have. Except for God. Except for His Word. And except for our marching orders, folks. Our marching orders. Bottom line, we can't live successfully in the past. We'll get angry, we'll get bitter, we'll get discouraged. man said to his friend, he said, you look depressed. What are you thinking about? He said, my future. (laughs) He said, what makes it look so hopeless? He said, my past. (laughs) Warren Wearsby said one time, you do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. You must learn from the past, but not live in the past. Harry Truman, when he was president, said, The men who live in the past remind me of a toy I'm sure all of you have seen. The toy is a small wooden bird called the flugie bird. Around the bird's neck is a label reading, I fly backwards, I don't care where I'm going, I just want to see where I've been. <laughs> hey, you know what? Don't be a flugie bird. Don't be a flugy bird. Today is tomorrow's good old days. Don't miss out living today. You'll miss the present if you live in the past. That's what those of us that have got some years on us tend to do. But young people, young people, don't make the mistake of missing the lessons of the past. Don't be arrogant. We live in a generation where everything new and young is cool and everything old and was is no good. That's a huge mistake biblically. You're throwing wisdom out the window. Those that ignore the lessons of history are condemned to repeat those lessons. And of course, the only thing that men learn from history is that they never seem to learn from history. But remember something, folks. The good old days are a result of a bad memory and a good imagination. (laughs) Let's take our Bibles. and go to Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3. And let's talk a little bit more about the generational aspect of this. Because as we age, our perspective tends to change. That is on a natural level. And that's why we have to be guided by the Word of God. We have to be guided by the Word of God. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 10. This is the rebuilding of the temple... In the days of Ezra before the days of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And verse uh, verse 10, Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel." And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12, now watch this. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. Verse 13, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off so the people are excited that the temple is being rebuilt but some of the men that remember the glory of the previous temple wept they wept there's a generational aspect of this if we live in the past we'll miss the present But young people, don't miss the lessons of the past by ignoring it. And the Bible extols the wisdom of age, the wisdom of accumulated experiences through life. And avoid the attitude of new is good and old is bad because that's not always true. Do not worship at the shrine of youth. I look at this wokeism in Christianity, in the contemporary and emergent movements, where they will embrace anything that's new, and tend to reject so many things that are biblical just because they are quote-unquote old. You wouldn't want God's Word to change, so if you're given to change, then why do you want everything else to change? I find that some young people are arrogant because they can go real fast with their thumbs on their smartphone. Uh, well, guess what? Some of us that are older aren't addicted to the thing. If you take it away from me, you won't be removing one of my appendages. Be, care, be careful of that sort of arrogance. Go to Proverbs chapter 30. Let me show you what I mean here. Proverbs chapter 30. Our perspective will change over the years. And, and, and old people, be patient with the young people. Remember, you were y- once young. Maybe you can't remember that far back. <laughs> but you were once young. And it took you a while to learn certain things. You know what I figured out after a while? Uh, I, I, I got this in my head when I was about 50. And I, I watched my dad. And there were times... And I'm sure this has happened to you, even as an adult. How come dad's doing that? How come dad says that? How come dad's that way? And when I was in my 40s, and my dad was well into his 50s, bumping 60, I would say that. But then I hit 50, and I now realize why he was doing that. And you know what I, would, I decided to do? I was going to give cut him some slack in advance, because... As I've crossed each decade myself, I started to realize, oh, that's why. Oh, I see it now. And you know what? I, I just decided to cut him that slack. You might want to do the same thing. You might want to do the same thing. We were talking the other day on the phone. He's, he's 88. Do You know, one time we were talking uh, at one point when he was trying to move us out of the city into the suburbs. When I was just uh, three, four, five, six years old. He, he, was, he was working four jobs, two full-time jobs, two part-time jobs. He got up at 5 in the morning and got home and got to bed at midnight, six to seven days a week. I said, Dad, I appreciate you for that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, he did, you say, what was he doing? Doing what he felt like he had to do? Doing what he felt like he had to do. And uh, he's 88. You know what I decided to do? I'm not going to judge him in his 80s because I ain't there yet. And I have a feeling I'm going to see things a little differently when I get there. Just like I'm going to when I'm in my 70s. You might try the same thing. You might try the same thing. Don't get obsessed with the glamour of youth. Take, Take a look at Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. And look at verse 11. There's a a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Um, It it seems fashionable even for Christians these days, young people raised in church. Uh, They get to be adults and they got to come home and instead of being a blessing to their parents, uh, blame them for everything that's wrong in their life. You know, I, I'm a recovering Bible believer. I'm a recovering fundamental Baptist. You you damaged me for, for good. Oh shut up. You spoiled punk. And they're all over the internet, you know. You know you know what some young people are gonna are gonna grow up someday and realize? They spent their whole life on a screen and life passed them by. Oh, but they're really clever with this thing, so they're smarter than us. You're missing it, kid. You're missing it, kid. And you ought to thank me because I'm trying to wake you up. Even if you don't like what I'm saying. I'm trying to wake you up. Oh, well, you know, my parents didn't uh, raise me exactly. Well, you know what? You go do it and show us how it's done. (laughs) And then come back in 20 years and tell us all about it. we're going to be all ears. Amen. Look at look at verse 11. I mean, God describes this like like it was written yesterday. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Hey, uh, older people, older people, don't get stuck in the past. But young people, young people, don't miss the lessons of history. Talk to old people; they got something to say. You know, you know what old people got. They've been where you're going. They've been where you're going. You know what? That, they might have some valuable information. You know, well, we're, we're just smart, man. We're, we're, we're the smart generation. You guys are the fuddy duddies. Hey, you know what? 50 years ago, an owner's manual to a car explained to you how to adjust the valves. You know what an owner's manu- manual to a car tells you now? Don't drink the battery acid. People are smarter, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're smarter, all right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I remember the anarchy of the 60s and the 70s and the generation gap that they talked about. As we get older, the past wears a halo, those days lose their warts compared to today's troubles. But remember something. God doesn't change. Go on for God. Go on for God. Your best days might be in front of you. Those of you that are older, your best days may be in front of you. Your greatest accomplishments may be yet ahead of you. Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote her series of Little House on the Prairie when she was 68 years old. Noah Webster completed his dictionary at 66 years old. Colonel Sanders started KFC at 65. Peter Roger invented his thesaurus at the age of 73. John Glenn was the first astronaut to orbit the Earth. Then at the age of 77... He became the oldest person to travel in space and orbited the earth 134 times on the space shuttle. Grandma Moses, who was famous for her folk art, started painting at 76 years old. William Baldwin walked on a tightrope over over a canyon in Colorado at 82 years old. Now that's crazy. This Japanese fellow here, I cannot pronounce his name. It starts, his first name starts with a T, and his last name starts with an I. I'm going to call him T.I. <laughs> T.I. Cl- climbed Mount Fuji at 100 years old. Gladys Burl ran a 26-mile marathon at 92 years old. And Diana Nyad swam from Cuba to Florida... At 64 years old, it was a trip of 110 miles and took her 53 hours. Young people, listen up, because you'll be old someday. Go on. Longevity beats flash. Character gravitates toward ability. Ability does not gravitate toward character. Build your character and live for Jesus Christ. And your best days may be ahead of you. In conclusion, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I, I know this morning that this message is not a homiletic masterpiece by any means. But as, as things around us get crazier and crazier and things change, and in the rate at which they're changing, you study this thing historically and 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 the advancements in industry and technology 100 200 years ago were very slow they were they were centuries and decades in coming and and now with the computer it's just accelerating, accelerating. and accelerating and folks i think it's dragging a lot of even god's people down a rabbit hole and we got to get refocused on the word of god and understand these things are not these these are not new phenomena They've been going on forever. And we were warned about it in the book of Ecclesiastes. Of course, of course, God's word is ahead of tomorrow's news, as always. As always. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind... And reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, uh, Paul makes it clear. He hasn't apprehended. In the the strictest context of verse 13, he's saying, I don't rest on my old laurels. But but I would add this too. Don't live too close to your old failures. Confess them and walk away from them. And if people beat you up over them, ignore them. Because God has forgiven you. The problem with some of us this morning is we haven't forgiven ourselves. And you can't live in the present and go forward into the future if you're facing the past. So then he says in verse 14, I press uh, toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. It's a three-step, folks. We are to forget those things are behind. We are to reach forward and then we are to press for the prize. And the prize is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Folks it always doesn't it always come back to this? It comes back to him. It comes back to our identification with Christ. No matter what it is in life, it always comes back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our unchanging target in an ever-changing world. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformed unto his death. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Old people, whatever the definition of that is, uh, don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Remember the lessons. Remember some of the good times with a smile. But then remember, God is still God. He's still here. And our marching orders are the same. And your best days may be ahead of you. Young people, young people, don't get sold on the idea that everything's better than it was. And new and young is good. And, and, and old, in the past, are outdated. And here's the word you always hear, irrelevant. No, folks, God's wisdom says learn from that. Learn from that. Or you're condemned to make the mistakes, repeat those mistakes of the past. Learn, benefit from it. Because those that are older have been where you're going. And I guarantee you this morning, they want to help. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. We thank you for the truth and wisdom of your word, and Lord, in some manner, shape, or form, I just pray that something, whether it was a verse of scripture or some uh, relevant fact, uh, that could be a help to someone, uh, would help each of us and 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 propel us forward for you, Lord, keeping our eyes on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Father, Paul didn't settle for mediocrity. He wanted to be made conformable unto Christ's death. He wanted the power of the resurrection. And so this morning, we thank you, Lord, that you're still God. Oh, Father, we heard about souls being saved last night. And we woke up this morning, Lord, and the sun was shining. And we still live in this free country. Most of us will have a good meal today either this afternoon or evening, but you've been so good to us. Help us, Lord. Help us to talk about Christ. Help us to be thankful. Help us to exalt and magnify him. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 390, number 390, Constantly Abiding.
1: Peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround, I turn today, blessed Jesus.
0: Sam Gipp, would you please come on up here and close us in a word of prayer? Father, we sure thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your great kindness. Those three things, Lord, they I, I think everybody here somewhere, we experience them every day. I thank you, God, as we all do here. Thank you, God, we've got a good church to come to and a preacher to preach to us like he did. Father, we thank you for our Savior. You are so good. You are so good. We thank you, God, for our country as as shackled as it is and as hobbled as it is, this best place on the planet to live. So thank you, Father, for so many blessings. Thank you for good health that you've given all of us. Now, Lord, bless all these folks, God. They came here to get something from you. I I think they probably did. I think they got a bunch of things from you. So God, bless them all, Lord. They be edified that leaving here, they would would live to your glory because that's what we're here for, God, to, to be a pleasure to you. Help us, Father. Help us, God, to do that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.